This is making finances easier with Paul Cochran, Garrett Crawford, and Bruce Landis from Providence Wealth Management. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Paul, Garrett, and Bruce provide their clients and prospects the information they need regarding Social Security, Retirement Income Planning, Wealth Management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful strategies to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now here is making finances easier with Paul Cochran, Garrett Crawford, and Bruce Landis. Hey everyone, um, Paul Cochran here with uh, Garrett Crawford, Providence Advisors Group, uh, making finances easier. But first, Garrett, let's talk about something really important. Uh, what has been your favorite streaming series here in the last six months or so? Yeah, uh, well, that's a good question. Um, last six months, well, I, I'll say the uh, the surprise streaming show of our family, I'm going to go back 12 months just because I want to, uh, was this show on PBS Masterpiece called All Creatures Great and Small. Mm. And so... Um, my, so good. my wife and I, we have two kids. And so it's, it's kind of tricky finding something that the whole family will watch, uh, and enjoy together. But, uh, all creatures great and small. I haven't thought about this for a while. Uh, but the, the main character, Paul, I don't know if you can remember with me, his name was James, uh, Harriet, James Harriet. Uh, it's about a veterinarian. Maybe some of the people that are listening to the show even know the series better than I do, but the BBC had, had made a series about this years and years ago, but they just redone it. So if you look it up on Amazon, look for the one that came out in 2020 and 2021 and uh, it is a wholesome series about a veterinarian in the Scottish Dales. Uh, and every episode had our whole family, minus our four-year-old at the time, just glued. The music was really pleasant and peaceful. It's about a veterinarian trying to prove his worth, uh, you know, to his kind of, uh, it's sometimes uh, passionate boss, uh, but, you know, trying to stick to his guns and doing the right thing for the community, even when they don't appreciate him. And uh, I don't care if you're 75, 55, 35, or in my daughter's case, six, uh, there was really something in every episode where you left it thinking, oh, I'm glad I took an hour out of my life uh, to watch it. But it's called All Creatures Great and Small. And you have to subscribe to the, the, the local East Tennessee PBS, like it's almost like PBS plus, uh, to watch it. But I think it was $5 or something for a month, but it was, you know, it was worth way more than that for our family's entertainment. And they're coming out with season three sometime, I think around Christmas this year. So our whole family's waiting on that one, but all creatures great and small was, was our family favorite. Boy, I, I agree. We, we so enjoyed that one. Um, I think for Sandy and I, along with that one, uh, we we have this kind of uh, this penchant for these uh, British crime dramas, and so we've cycled through several of them. We subscribe to BritBox would be one place, uh, and then another one called Acorn, and there have been several, and a, a couple of the classics, one of them, uh, uh, it, it was called Line of Duty. And uh, that one, unlike all creatures great and small, not for all audiences, <laughs> but uh, but it was uh, really well done. And um, 
and we always have to play the subtitles because a lot of times it's hard to understand, you know, the British actors and some of the things they're saying, but, but, uh, but we, we do enjoy it. I've heard you talk about BritBox. How do you subscribe to BritBox? Yeah, it's just, just like, um, uh, the PBS, you, you know, you just, you just go in there, uh, we use YouTube TV and uh, it's just another it's like another five channel dollars name. a month. Yeah, it's like a channel. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have to save the the British crime dramas yeah. for another decade yeah. or something. Yeah, uh, uh, probably not great for a, a you know a, a five year old and an eight year old. Yeah, we're trying to. My wife and I are sneaking in the the current Amazon Lord of the Rings series in between uh, when the kids are you know doing something in the other room. But uh, that, yeah. that's good. Yeah, I think an org would totally freak your son out. <laughs> I uh, think it freaked my wife out for yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Okay, off to something um, not quite as exciting, uh, and that's the market. But I think uh, many of you are tuning in because you're wanting to hear some of these things uh, about the market. And, you know, Garrett, um, we're trying, we're always kind of sharpening our saws, whether we're reading or, or uh, doing some sort of a, um, you know, some sort of a, um, uh, online course, or sometimes it's a live, um, you know, a live conference, that type of thing. But uh, l- last week, uh, we were in Minneapolis attending a conference, and uh, it was all, uh, there's a room full of advisors like us, uh, fee-based advisors that um, are fiduciaries. We, we are required to do what's in the best interest of our clients. and um, and so we're there in this room full of advisors, and we're hearing from really some, some of the top uh, uh, economic and financial minds. Uh, a lot of these people are on, you know, on TV quite a bit, and, and uh, so it was real helpful. And I thought it'd be kind of fun just to talk about some of the things that we gleaned from the conference. And, and, uh, Why don't you lead us off, Paul? Yeah, I, I think one of them... Um, as, as we think about it, and I think we've touched on this in a previous episode, but that is how the, the, the distance between uh, the lagging data that we're looking at, like we brought this up when, when we were talking about recessions, that recessions, you, you're, you have to look at data in the rearview mirror to even know if you're in a recession, technically speaking. But the distance between that lagging data and the effects uh, of you know, of monetary policy, it takes about a year for that stuff to catch up. And so if you're always looking in the rearview mirror and, um, and you're asking and, and you're kind of reacting to things in, in the present, then you're going to be, um, you know, you're going to be bobbing around all, all the time. You're, you're going to be like that, uh, um, you know, like that bobber that the the brim are just you know they're nibbling at it and the bobber's mm-hmm. going up and down but you're not catching anything it's just going up and down and you're you're always trying to set the hook but there there's little bait snatchers and you're not going to get anything and so um keeping some of those that lagging data uh kind of big picture in place and not reacting you know to to things uh, kind of emotionally. Yeah, and I, it, again, it reminds me of what I said in maybe our, for, our show pr- prior to this is that the, the market is, uh, it's not intuitive in that it's reacting to things 
or trying to react to things before they actually occur. And so if the market is pricing in a recession, well, you know, when we hit peak recession, uh, that, that's when the market actually should start bouncing. Rebounding, yeah. Uh, so when, when it kind of, we're, we're hearing about it in the news and, you know, we're, we're thinking, okay, we got to prep, we got to get sit, settle down for a recession. Well, when the recession hits, uh, that might not be the time to go all cash or make some drastic asset allocation move. And so the the market is forward looking and the pricing reflects that. And so some of these uh, leading and lagging indicators that uh, we had the privilege of sitting in a session with, uh, her name was Lizanne Saunders, the chief investment specialist uh, at Charles Schwab, or chief, chief investment strategist at Charles Schwab. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I found that session uh, really helpful and, and gleaning because you know, I can be tempted to do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And I like uh, how she said that um, um, that instead of thinking of it uh, as, a, as a soft landing, you know, they talked about, you know, hey, if, uh, if the Fed can somehow uh, kind of modulate what they're doing, if they can just raise it enough to, to slow things down without causing us to go crashing into a, you know, a deep recession. That's kind of the, you know, the fear everyone has versus, uh, you know, this soft landing. Um, you know, she, she used this term, a, a kind of a little bit of a rolling recession for a season where, where you're going to have some, you know, some ups and then it's going to come back a little and you're going to go up and then it's going to come back a little. Uh, but um, you and I both know, Garrett, as we look historically, um, you, you can't have, when, you, when the market goes and say the market averages 9% per year, um, depending on what season of time you want to look at and what, 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 how you define market, but let's just pick a number, say 9%. Well, when you have an averaged annualized return of 9%, you're going to have some years that are up 30, some years that are down 25, and everything in between. And so um, the, it's, it's, as we've talked about a lot, it's not timing the market, it's time in the market. And I was going to say, Paul, you can maybe share a little bit. Uh, you were telling me just yesterday you were on the phone with a client and they were weathering the storm great when you take into consideration since the start of 2020, where we've gone through the pandemic and the market uh, decline there and, you know, the ensuing market <laughs> Uh, you know, uprising for the following two years. I think you said he was still up six percent uh th- through that time, and so we we have to as investors be uh be clear. I think that you know we're going to have some really good up years, but they also come with uh you know the bill comes due some years like this year where you're going to see some red. Exactly, that was a, a real encouraging uh, scenario when I pulled back the curtain and I was looking in more detail with this review with a particular client uh, in Kentucky that we have. And, uh, and it was, it was, it was really revealing that since they came on, uh, gosh, it's been quite a few years ago now, they're averaging 6% annualized. And that includes the fact that they're down quite a bit this year. Um, but what was interesting is, uh, 
they were the some of the ones uh, like a lot of our clients that have taken advantage of um, of these uh, structured notes that we've talked about, and um, they have been a real real benefit. And uh, um, tell you what, why don't I just give just a brief overview on those structured notes real quick, in yep. case people are wondering, because they've been such a good fit during times like this. And by the way, if you want to dig into these a little bit deeper, you can just you can give us a call, uh, 865-770-5031. And, uh, you know, you can, you can leave us a message and we'll, we'll follow back up with you. Or you can go to our website, makingfinanceseasier.com. And, um, and you can, uh, you know, request a a phone call from us uh, there to dig into these things a little bit more. But, um, this whole subject of structured notes, basically what's happening is, Every single month, we go to the the biggest banks in the world, the the, the Credit Suisse, the Citicorp, the UBS, Morgan Stanley, et cetera, Goldman Sachs. We tell them what we want. They come back with these bids, and uh, they're typically either 18 months, 24 months, 36 months, and they give different uh, you know parameters depending on what the market's doing. And uh, they'll say, okay, during this 18-month period of time, you might have a, a 30% cap on how much you can earn during that 18 month. And you might have a, say a 15% buffer. And the buffer means that the market could go down 15% and you don't go down at all. Um, if it goes down 20%, well, you've lost 5%. So in this guy that was in Kentucky, Garrett, I noticed that, uh, you know, he has about, you know, 25% of his funds in um, these, uh, these structured notes. And so the indexes, uh, as we're tracking them showed that he was down, but actually he was within his buffer on all of them. So that meant that he wasn't down in any of those accounts. And so, uh, even though his, his number looked like he was down, uh, some for the year, he was only down about half as much as he thought he was because those buffers were protecting him. And so this whole idea of having some tools in our toolbox that people can utilize that are short-term, they can work real effectively. Usually we do at least 12 months on those so people can get long-term capital gain. And, uh, and again, they're not, they're not perfect because you're, you know, you're, you're still uh, you know, technically in the market, but with that buffer, it takes away some of that downside. And actually, this is something you can go to our, our website, uh, makingfinanceseasier.com under resources. You can see investment strategies, and you can read about these different ones that we offer our clients. But uh, one of the ones they they highlighted was our buffered outcomes portfolio, and it works a, very similar to what Paul just described using these buffered ETF strategies um, as an alternative to the bond asset class. And so our investment management team has this investment strategy where they they always do these three core components. They do a one-year period, they track the S&P 500, and it's a 15% buffered index, just like Paul was talking about. And uh, what, what changes in that one-year period is the amount of cap that you have. And I think they said right now it's about 
like 9.16%. And the idea with this uh, buffered outcomes ETF portfolio that we can provide to our clients, uh, it can provide the same type of exposure as those structured notes that Paul is talking about, but you don't necessarily have to sign up for a one-year, a two-year, a three-year period. And so uh, what I love about what we do here at Providence is that we're independent and we don't really have somebody telling us what we have to invest in. And so uh, our goal as a financial planner, financial advisor, is to make sure that we build an investment strategy for our clients that they can stick with uh, mm-hmm. during years like this year and in years when the market is up. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, But I would say for, for a lot of people with that one I just described, the 9.16% cap in retirement, uh, you know, most people would be satisfied, I think, with a 9.16 return, even if the market returned 12 or 13 yeah. percent uh, to have that protection on the downside. And so, uh, you know, it's going to be a fit for some people. For some people, it won't. But I, I love that uh, our toolbox is, is plenty with different tools for different households that we serve. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, another thing that um, that I think about a lot and and I think. Uh, when I, for our listeners, I'm not sure, you know, how much they know the difference between, you know, like a passive investment strategy versus an active investment strategy. Um, in a nutshell, a passive means you're going to just buy an index uh, like the S&P 500. Some, you can't actually buy the S&P 500, but you can buy a, an index that mimics the S&P 500. And um, and then just buy it and hold it and 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 let it ride, and uh, or um, you know some all world index. I know clients who uh, have always liked uh, you know some of these all world indexes. Well, um, one of the things that uh, I came away from this conference being particularly grateful for our investment team is that this is a season that probably doesn't favor just uh, normal global indexes as much. It's probably a season where um, rather than looking at, at market classes or market segments, you, you need to look at different uh, factors, like a more of a factor-based investing. So what are the characteristics of that particular stock? Rather than just uh, just an index buy and hold. Yeah. Uh, well, one last thing from me, Paul. I'm going to go a little bit off the, the track here. Uh, but I think, you know, Paul and I and Bruce and Cindy and Marissa and Eva, we all work here in our office. And uh, sometimes we become insulated from other advisors across the country. And I think uh, one one thing I usually walk away when I when I go to a large advisor conference is how much – uh, you know, I, I really kind of see a difference in approach in what we do here at Providence compared to other advisors as they describe their businesses and uh, what they want to do. And uh, at least uh, Paul and I, uh, we we love the relationship aspect of this business mm-hmm. and uh, the idea of just growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. Mm-hmm. Um which, which can be a, a pretty majority theme when you go to these conferences. What else can you do? How can you, how can you grow this way, this way? Um, 
you know, I, I just don't see that as our engine. You know, if, if you did come to our office and had the opportunity to talk to you, you know, we, we find that fun and a privilege to spend time with you. But we're also looking for people that are, you know, fun to be around, uh, yeah. that, that listen <laughs> to our advice, that have critiques and engaging, you know, kind of thoughts mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, that just generally want help. Mm-hmm. And uh, we... Uh, you know, for, for a lot of our clients, we kind of see them as, as long lasting relationships. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just fun what we do, but I go to these conferences sometimes and I, and I come back and I think, uh, I'm glad I, I stumbled into Providence, yeah. uh, versus maybe a big brokerage wirehouse firm where it's all about performance and, you know, getting, you. getting more and more clients. That's good. I agree. And, you know, another thing that struck me from the conference is uh, just realizing there's so often a gap between someone's financial risk tolerance and their emotional risk tolerance that you really have to make sure that, again, days like uh, like Monday the 26th uh, show the, the true risk tolerance. And a, a few other things. Um, I, I, the, one of the things that keeps echoing in my head is that stocks uh, lead earnings. Um, which lead the economy. Um, in other words, looking at earnings that these companies have, their their balance balance sheet strength, their cash flow statements, really seeing their strength um, rather than looking at, oh, gosh, are we in a recession or are we not? Well, we want to put money with companies that have a strong balance sheet strength and good cash flow statements, and it can it can really make a difference uh, over time. Um, the uh, there's so much of this that that's kind of being a contrarian, and I know that was reinforced at the conference. Um, you know, we don't want to buy stocks; just go out and buy something because it's cheap. We want to buy something because it works. And so, some of these companies where our, our our investment team is is focusing in on are companies that you know don't have to live off borrowed money. They they have positive cash flow statements. They're they're you know they're doing a great job, and so they're worth having money with them. Any closing thoughts here, Garrett? As we as we wrap up, anything else from the conference? Uh, you know, I think uh, it, it's like anything. We we all uh, we go to these conferences because we don't know everything, <laughs> and uh, we, you know, getting ideas from people and how to think about different problems in a different way. Uh, is just a is a good habit, and I I find that in our client relationship the same type of uh, synergy occurs where clients will come in, and a lot of them are on top of their game, but at the same time, they don't know everything, and they're looking for ideas, and they're trying to sharpen the saw, as you said, and you know just make incremental steps to bettering their household finances, and uh, you know for for finances left over for for the next generation. So. Uh, Little steps, incremental steps, I think, make big results down the road. Well, that's good. Well, you guys have a good one. Thanks again for tuning in. Thank you for listening to Making Finances Easier. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound retirement plan. For more information, please contact Paul Cochran, Garrett Crawford, or Bruce Landis at Providence Wealth Management. Call 865-770-5031 or visit them online 
at makingfinanceseasier.com. Fee-based financial planning and investment advisory services are offered by Providence Wealth Management, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of Tennessee. Insurance products and services are offered through Providence Advisors Group, LLC. Providence Advisors Group, LLC, and Providence Wealth Management, LLC, are affiliated companies. Paul Cochran, Garrett Crawford, and Bruce Landis and Providence Wealth Management are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary, and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources, and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation.